Good morning, City Light. How are we doing? Good morning. Uh, there's some exciting, exciting things to talk about today. Uh, the Lord is doing an awful lot in this church, uh, and we sense him leading us to continue to hit the gas on what he is doing in and through this body of believers. And so today, uh, I hope to do two simple things, and for the next five weeks to do these two simple things. With number one, which is to inspire you to lift your eyes above your present circumstances, to lift your eyes maybe above what you can even imagine God would do with your life, and to look onto the kingdom of God and be encouraged and inspired to make your life count for something greater than you could fathom. Secondly, I hope to challenge you and us today and to ask the question, is your life fully surrendered to God? Is every aspect of your life a fully surrendered to God? What does that look like for you and for me to live that way with everything that we have? One of my desires as one of your pastors is that we would be a people who live with open hands, ready and willing to do whatever God asks us to do. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about the mission of God here at City Light, everything God is doing and how you can be involved and press into that even more, especially maybe for some of you who have been new in recent months. I hope you can catch the vision that we started this church with in the beginning and get on board and on the same page with what God is doing here. That's one of my goals today and over the next five weeks. But as we talk about the mission of God and prepare to talk more about what God is doing and how you can be involved in what God is doing, I want to make sure that we go back backwards to the last six weeks as we talked about what does it look like to prioritize the presence of God? And what does it look like to devote ourselves to him first and to prioritize time with him and his presence and to learn to love the Lord and to implement spiritual disciplines in our life to give him the time needed so that we can grow with him and love him more and learn to be a people who love the presence of God. Remember, as we've been saying, it's in his presence, the victory is won before the battle has begun. You have to abide in him in order to bear fruit. God wants to do something in us before he does something through us. And so as we begin to talk about the mission and everything God is doing, and as we begin to talk about you and your life and your involvement in that, I want to make sure you're connecting the dots between the practice of the presence of God and the experience of his power. This is so important for us as we move forward to say, how can we experience the power of God manifest in the life of our community and in our church to connect that to, not to resources or to good strategies or any of that, but to a people who prioritize his presence and a people who are prepared because they love the Lord and are with him constantly. And so that's what we're after. I wanna make sure as we talk about mission, and as we talk about your involvement in that, that you're connecting that to the Lord and his presence being the priority of your life. And when these two things go hand in hand, God's people become very powerful. And that's what I long to see and what we do see already. And so I wanted to give you a couple quotes about this. Uh, I've been reading a lot about movements. That's kind of how I, I like to read about movements and how God has worked in the world and crazy things that God has done. There's a book called Movements That Changed the World. And so if you're an avid reader or you would pick it up and read it, I actually have some copies uh, if you would want it and actually read it, I will give you a copy. Uh, not that if you intend on reading, but if you could promise me you'd read it, I'll give you a copy, that would be great. Uh, it's called Movements That Changed the World. And it talks a lot about different ways God has used people and different movements to change the world around him. And I'm gonna give you a couple quotes from that book about the priority of my experience with God to see God do something around me in my sphere of influence. 
So here's, a, here's one. In the history of the church, he said, it has been spiritual experiences that have given birth to movements of renewal and expansion. So if you just look at the history of how God has worked miraculously in the world, it's rooted in one person or a group of people having a spiritual experience with God in his presence that is so transformative, it pours out into the life of the community around them. It never started with a good plan, never. It always started with God's presence. And so for you and I to continue to pursue that in our life, not only for you to enjoy the Lord for yourself and to grow with him, but to say the power of a purposeful life comes from the presence of God. And it comes from your experience with him. Here's another quote I love. It says, you can run an institution with systems of command and control, but Jesus founded a movement, not an institution. He brought his followers into the same experience he has with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And then he sent them to the ends of the earth with nothing but the message of salvation and the reality of God's power. Here's this quote. A passionate faith is at the heart of every dynamic missionary movement. It is the greatest resource. Now that's a quote. It's the greatest resource. You know what the greatest resource at City Light Church is? Your faith. And the Holy Spirit empowering your faith to do something incredible in and around us. And so for us, as we move forward to serve our community, to bless our community, to plan to reach the world around us, to talk about how you can invest and be involved in that, remember the greatest resource of this church will always be your faith, the Holy Spirit working in and through your faith. And so we have to continue, please, 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 to prioritize the presence of God, growing and cultivating a close relationship with him, having spiritual experiences with him that are transformative because that is going to be the heart of any movement that God has ever done in the world and anything we wanna see God do now. That's always, always at the heart. And so we have to keep that at the center. And as we talk about God's mission, I wanna connect those dots for you and for me so we don't move away from that. So we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians 9. If you wanna go ahead and open your Bible. Uh, you should notice on your seat, there's a couple booklets. Um, one is the Everyway Initiative. I'm basically gonna walk through a lot of this information today. You can read it if you like, and I'll walk through it. The other one is uh, the series guide, which we want you to use and to walk through this together. So just like preparation of consecration, when we gave you a guide and you walked through the whole series together, we want you to use this, take sermon notes, spend devotional time in it, look at what God is doing. It has information of some of our partnerships and the way God has used this church so far. Uh, we hope this guide both inspires you and helps you to navigate these next five weeks the most fruitful way possible. So if you wanna go ahead and take this notebook out, there's a place for you to take notes with each sermon, and we want you to do that to engage in the life of God with us here through this. And so those are your two pieces of, of information we want you to keep, hold on to, uh, and walk with us with. For the next five weeks, we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verses six through 15. Today, specifically verse 11, but I wanna read the whole section here uh, to give us context. And so go ahead and open your Bible or your phone or whatever uh, and join us at 2 Corinthians 9. Verse six says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, 
so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Should memorize that verse. That's a life changer. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all the others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. And Paul here is writing to the church in Corinth to compel them to be generous, to see the mission of God be advanced in the world around them, and to particularly as well take care of their own people uh, back in Jerusalem who are going to be struggling. And so he's working together both to provide for the congregation and to reach the city. And so I wanna look at verse 11 today, and I wanna introduce to you what God is doing through the life of this church called the Every Way Initiative. Verse 11 says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And so as we think about the life of this church and as you think about your life as a follower of Jesus, if that's where you're at, and if not, I'd love for you to consider what does it mean to follow Jesus. We're gonna talk more about that a little bit later today. But God has been so amazingly, abundantly, over and above good to us. Amen? That should be something you're like, yes, Lord. God has been so good to us. That sentence doesn't rhyme and it's not catchy, but it's true. God has been so good. And he has enriched us in every way so that we could be generous in every way. And just considering the life of this church being a year and a half old, God has been so abundantly good to us to provide so much so that we could use it to serve and bless so many others. We've seen this truth and this principle played out in the life of this church that God has worked mightily in us so he can work mightily through us. And it has been a privilege to be a part of that with you as God has taken us on this adventure. But not only in that way with the church, this verse is always true, number one, because of the good news of the gospel. This verse is true because in Jesus Christ, we have been enriched with salvation, the hope of heaven, and the promise of his presence. And no matter what I see in my circumstances or what material things I own or do not own, the reality always is true that in Jesus Christ, I have everything I need. And I have been enriched above and beyond that which I deserve because of what he has done for me. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus or somebody brought you to church for the first time or whatever that may be for you, the only thing I want you to consider today and think about is where your heart is with God. That Jesus wants to enrich you with his love and his presence and his promises. He wants to save you and turn you from a, a destiny in hell apart from him to a destiny in heaven with him. That's what's at stake for you this morning, that Jesus died and rose again. And he says, if anybody would believe in me, that person would have eternal life 
right in the moment, right in that instant. And God wants you to have that this morning, and he's not worried about anything else in your life other than that particular decision. So I want you to consider, if you're here today and you're like, what is going on this morning, that that's all God is saying to you that you need to consider for your life to say, are you right with God? Have you trusted in Jesus as the payment for your sins? And have you experienced the enriching of the blessing of God to provide salvation, the hope of heaven, and the promise of his presence. That's what the Lord wants for you this morning. And for all of us who are here and who have trusted in Jesus, I want you to consider what this means for you and I as we move forward together. You know, the amazing realities of this gospel, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, have been manifest tangibly here in such an amazing way. And we want to continue to live this verse out as best we can. And so this initiative that we're unrolling today is simply this. It's fresh language for a renewed commitment to the same mission and vision we started with. It's fresh language for a renewed commitment to the same mission and vision that we started with. Same thing, fresh language, so that we can continue to be challenged and encouraged to follow what God is calling us to do. Here's something I believe as your pastor here, as one of your pastors here, is that we are at a tipping point for what God wants to do. I really believe that because God continues to bring opportunities our way, continues to bring open doors for ministry in other places. The needs continue to grow and people continue to build trust with this particular church and this body of believers, both here in multiple languages and multiple locations. And God is doing that and it, it just seems to me, it continues to be that the Lord keeps bringing opportunities. And so it's a tipping point to say, man, something has been built here by the grace of God that is serving and loving our community and it's helping people come to know and find Jesus Christ, and that is an amazing thing. But maybe even the Lord wants to do even more, and if we continue to press in and hit the gas a little bit, it will tip right over the tipping point, and God will expand what he is doing. Something I want us to consider is that we must live by design, not by default. I want us to live with intentionality, and this is true in your whole life. This is not just about this particular series. I want you to live by design, not by default. And what happens with people, especially when things go well and when things are blessed, is that we live by default because we say, oh, everything's good. I'm so enjoying what God is doing, which you should. But we fall into this trap of apathy to say, man, this is great. Let's, let's just sit in this and enjoy this. And we live by default. And what I want us to do and what the Lord wants us to do is live by design to live with intentionality, to live constantly thinking about what is my life, how am I living it, what is God telling me to? Because for many of us, if you were here in the beginning, starting this church required a huge step of faith to say, man, I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna help start a new church. Or just being involved in what we were doing required a huge step of faith. And sometimes after we take a big step of faith, we can begin to default into more just regular ways of living. What I wanna do today and this morning over the next five weeks is challenge us and put the goal of Jesus in front of us that we would continue to take steps of faith, that we would never stay satisfied with everything God has already done, and that we would ask the question, man, how can I fully surrender to the Lord again? What step of faith can I take to grow with him and to live a life of purpose? Because this is true that I really believe it, that a greater level of investment, hear me, will lead to a greater level of impact. A greater level of investment will lead to a greater level of impact. A greater level of investment will lead to a greater level of impact. And so if we live by design and not by default, we will see God continue to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. 
but that's gonna take intentionality, not just on my part, but on your part together in this together. And so what I wanna do over the next few minutes is walk through 2 Corinthians 9, 11 with this particular uh, thing in mind. It might be a little bit hard to see on the screen, so you might wanna hold this uh, and look through it with me. But as we talk about the vision of what God is doing, it's the same vision, like I said, from the beginning. Fresh language for a renewed commitment to everything that we started with. This church started based off, of, based off of a commitment to Luke 4, 18 through 19 in Isaiah 61. In Luke 4, Jesus basically says, this is what I came to do, to set captives free, to bring liberation, to bring sight to the blind, to bring the kingdom of God here and now. And he quotes Isaiah 61, almost verbatim. He's reading it, he's reading it, and he's quoting it. And he's like, this is who I am, this is what I came to do. And then he trains his disciples to go do the very thing that he said he came to do, and he sends them on that mission. And so as a church, we pull up Isaiah 61 to bring good news, to bind up broken hearts, to see beauty for ashes, uh, praise for heaviness and joy for mourning, to see people planted firmly to the glory of God. And I love the rest of that verse. Verse 4 of Isaiah 61 says, to see the reparation of many generations. Man, that God would step into a place. Man, this excites me every time. I hope you get pumped for stuff like this. This is what we live for. For God to step into a place, and he did this for you if you're in Jesus, and repair your brokenness through the love of Jesus to make you firm and strong so that now in your stability you can serve and bless others. Man, and imagine walking into a community with the power of Jesus Christ and seeing a place of brokenness become a place of strength so that in the place that needed help is now a place that gives help. What if that happened, right? We have to put, I wanna put your eyes there to say what if the Lord continued to use this church to do things like that, to step in because our job is to bring good news and bind up broken hearts. That's all we can do because we are not God. But the rest of that verse says a bunch of stuff God will do, namely take your mourning and give you joy. Take your heaviness and exchange it for a garment of praise. To take those ashes of your life and turn them into something beautiful. And we can't do that, but God can. And he says, if you'll just bring my good news to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if you'll bind up broken hearts through good deeds and serving others, God says, I will join you in your work, and I will do something you can't manufacture. And through what I do, places of brokenness will become strong, and now many generations will begin to change. And this is what we are after. I hope you remember, man, we're not just here to have services or to do this. Our services are a launching pad, not a landing place. We are here to be equipped, encouraged, strengthened, and challenged to go live the life God has called us to live, to make the impact God has called us to make because we serve the living God who can do these kind of things. So I refuse to settle for less. I refuse to be satisfied with anything less. And I will spend the rest of the days God gives me pushing and pressing towards that goal. Say, I wanna see that. I wanna see it more. We've seen it and I'm so thankful, but I wanna see it more. I wanna see it more. God is able. And so this is what we are after. The same vision we started with is the same thing. It's a renewed commitment to the same vision and mission. So what does this look like for us moving forward? It looks like two categories, as we said in the video. Every soul, which is right here, and every city. And so on every soul, the, the goal for us here, as we continue to talk about this together, is 100% engagement. And so one of the things we started this church on, and one of the things I continue to believe, is I believe if the church is fully 100% engaged, you're going to start to see things like the book of Acts. 
you're gonna start to see that. If it's not a few people doing everything, but everybody, as we say, bringing their brick, everybody being a part of building God's house, everybody recognizing the spiritual gifts they've been given by the Holy Spirit, everybody living with that kind of confidence that God has made me for a purpose and God wants to use my life for impact, everybody believing that 100% in the core of their bones and saying, I matter to the mission of God. My presence here matters to what God is doing and I wanna be a part of it. And if God raises up a group of people where everybody's living that way and it's coming from out there and not up here, it's not stage driven, but it's coming from there to say, by my own will, by the Holy Spirit living within me, I am being raised up to believe these things about myself because of the scriptures and now I know my life counts and matters and then we all go live that way in our neighborhoods and our spheres of influence with the people we know, with the money we have, with all the resources we've been given, that is the scenario in which the Holy Spirit breaks out in power. That's the scenario. It's not good sermons. That's not what's gonna do it. And I hope these sermons are good. I hope they're not bad. But that's not what's gonna change the whole world, okay? It's you and your active involvement in the mission of God. And I am simply here, please, I am simply here to equip you, challenge you, inspire you, and strengthen you to go do everything God has asked you to do. That's what I wanna see because I know, I know that if we see God's people be raised up to follow the Holy Spirit in their life, to believe that their life matters and they've been gifted with the Holy Spirit to do incredible things, that God will do more than we could ever ask or imagine. That's what the Bible lays out. That's how the Bible has moved forward through all these generations. And so my prayer, first off and foremost, with this whole initiative is just 100% engagement. So I don't know where you're at in your commitment with the Lord. Once again, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, engage with Jesus himself. That's all I need you to do. Believe the gospel and follow him. We can talk about the rest of your life later. Right now, you need to believe and trust in him, and that's it. But for those of you who are here this morning say, I already have done that, and I truly do follow Jesus, I really want you to consider, is my life, fully surrendered to God? Am I honestly 100% engaged in the mission of God? Am I living by design and not by default? How intentional am I with my life? Does anything in my life require faith? Am I fully surrendered to the Lord? Open hands. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, number one, God wants to use your life more than you can imagine. He wants to use your life for bigger things than you can pull off on your own. This is true for every single one of you. He wants to do that. But also, listen to me, the more we surrender ourselves to God, the more we experience of God. I want you to experience God and his presence and power in your life. And if you'll release things, you'll begin to receive things. This is how the spiritual realm works, especially with our material things, to say, man, if I begin to live open-handed with my time, my talents, and my treasures, and I begin to release the things I have, now I have open hands to receive everything God wants to give. And that's what I want for you, to walk in that kind of confidence and power and to receive his presence in that way and to walk with Jesus in such a tangible, manifest, not just going to church, but this is my life kind of way. That's what I want for you. And the Lord says that the pathway to a, a greater experience of his presence in your life is surrender. It's always surrender, always we have never made it. We have never graduated from grace. Nobody's a perfect Christian. So what does it look like to constantly surrender to God? And so I'm here to put that in front of you because maybe you've been living by default. 
Maybe you put the cruise control on for a while and things have been okay, and, but there's no intentionality to what you're doing with your life. And I want to encourage you this morning and challenge you to surrender to the Lord, to ask these questions. Am I surrendered to God in every way? Does he have all of my heart? Get this. Is there anything I am holding back from him? Is there anything I'm holding back from him? You gotta ask yourself this question, man. Like I say every time, sermons are only good if you live them out and apply them. You have to legitimately ask yourself this question, come up with a legitimate answer, and then begin to change things based off that answer. Because if all you do is reflect on my question for a second here, it's not gonna do much. But if you think about this, it's gonna help you grow. And so our goal is to get the whole church actively engaged in the mission of God. The whole church believing that God wants to use your life. The whole church fully surrendered to the Lord because that is the environment, that's the soil, so to speak, for revival. You wanna know something? Every time God has done something great in the world around him to bring revival, guess where it started? With the church. Every time. Revival doesn't start out there, it starts right here. You want God to do something incredible in your city? Look at your heart. You want God to do something incredible in your neighborhood? Look at your heart. That's where it starts, I'm telling you. And so we want God to do something incredible around us. It doesn't start out there, it starts right here. It starts with God's people being fully committed, devoted, surrendered, falling in love with Jesus prioritizing his presence, spending time with him, releasing ourselves to him, taking steps of faith. It starts with you and with me. And if you are on board with what God wants to do through you in this city, then you gotta get on board with what God wants to do in you in your heart. Because you can't have a purposeful life for God without an active life with God. And some of us are after that. Man, we want some great purpose without his presence. And I'm telling you, you gotta do both. And you gotta ask yourself these hard questions. Am I fully surrendered to God? Am I fully surrendered to God? And so what does that look like for you and for me to consider? Man, I have been enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way. Time, talents, and treasures, to be generous. Why has God blessed me with anything? No matter what you think your status is or what you have. Why has God blessed me with anything? To be generous. That's the reason, I can go ahead and answer that for you. Why do I have anything I have to be generous? Why do I have any influence I have to be generous? Why do I have any possessions I have to be generous? Why do I have any like, emotional stability or to be generous with that? Why do I have any of that? Why? To be generous. God has given me something so that I can share with others and he has done the same for you. No matter what that is or how much it is or what it looks like, that's irrelevant, right? Because God takes two fish and five loaves and uses it to feed 5,000. So it's not about how much you're bringing to the table, it's about your heart. And it's about where are you at with God? Are you fully surrendered to him? Are you considering how good God has been to you in the gospel? And what does that mean for my releasing to say, man, God has been so good. And he has saved me from an eternal hell apart from him. And so the very least I can do is consider how I can continue to surrender myself to him. Let's live by design, not by default. And so as we talk about the mission... Right, here, I wanted to give you a verse too on this real quick. This is so great. So in 2 Corinthians 8, before 2 Corinthians 9, Paul's continuing to help them understand what does it look like to surrender to the Lord. And he says this, 2 Corinthians 8, 5. He says, but they gave themselves to the Lord first and then by the will of God to us. Isn't that great? So here's what God is saying first and foremost today. Before you give yourself to any mission or any cause, God says, give yourself first fully to me. That's it, that's the step. Give yourself fully to me, surrender everything to me, and then to the particular specific thing God is calling you to. Have you fully given yourself to the Lord? Have you given him your whole heart? 
So that's every soul. 100% engagement for the people of God to be active in the mission of God for us to see real revival and lives transformed. Okay, every city is the secondary goal, every city. In every city, our goal for the next two years. So the Every Way Initiative is a two-year commitment to advance the work of God here and around the world. It's a way for us to continue to press in and live by design, not by default. And so it's a two-year commitment. And so over two years, our goal is to raise $5 million in two years. With that $5 million, here's three of our goals. We wanna serve every day, which is providing the resources and momentum needed to serve the church and the community in an everyday basis. It builds up the house of God to serve the city and the world for God. Every person, which is another $2 million, to expand our ability to bring good news and to bind up broken hearts, to serve the poor and the marginalized locally and globally, and to give every person in our communities, this is so important, an opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus. This is not a big saying, this is a literal goal that I wanna see every person in our community have the opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus. Isn't that what you want? I don't wanna just throw stuff out there, I wanna be intentional and specific to say all these people live around. How can we be intentional with our time, talents, and treasures to make sure at the very least that when I stand before God, I can say I did my very best to make sure everybody around me at least had a chance to respond to the love of Jesus. Just give them a chance. You would be so surprised if you're here today and a follower of Jesus, how many people I meet right around here who grow up in America and have not heard the gospel. You make a terrible assumption assuming people have already had a chance to respond to the gospel simply because they live here. That is not true. That is not true. And your neighbors and people all around you are perishing without even an understanding. That's happening. You have to believe this, that people are not being given a chance to respond to the love of Jesus just because they live here. And the likelihood that people around you have received a clear presentation with conviction of the gospel of Jesus Christ and been asked to make a decision to repent and follow him, the likelihood of the people around you that have heard that and received that are very, very, very small. Very small. And so now we have to consider, man, I want to do everything I can, everything I can, everything I can to make sure at the very least, at the bare minimum of my existence, that everybody around me gets the chance to respond to the love of Jesus. And I want you to feel that way too and to join us in that mission to say, I'm going to do what I can to make sure in love, in word, and in deed that everybody gets a chance to respond to the love of Jesus. And so that's what we're after with every person some things we continue to pursue. We would love to expand our list. So right now we serve about 130 families in our community with food deliveries consistently. We've been doing that for a while. And we would love to expand our list to be able to make that list bigger uh, because the needs are already there. And so I've, I've shared this with you time and time again. When I ask somebody in the community, right, we have some extra this or that, we'd love to serve people. Uh, what, what needs do you have? The response always back to me is how many can you take? Always, that's without fail. They're never like a five. I have five families I'd like you to help. It's just whatever, what, what can you do? And it's like, okay, I mean, I, I don't know. I would like to do all of them. Is that possible? Like, you know, uh, and we have a limited amount of things we can do. And so we want to be able to expand the list, be able to reach more families. Because I'm telling you, just from making deliveries, we have had people, been, but we've met them in their house, delivered food. They showed up at church and heard the gospel. Come on, that's love in word and deed. That's what we're after. This is what this is all about, to serve people and love them in the name of Jesus, to make sure they feel the love of Jesus by being served and they hear the love of Jesus by preaching the gospel. 
We have seen lives be changed and transformed just by making our deliveries in a consistent way, people building relationships. I was just talking to somebody who has a literal, friendly relationship with one of the people they began to make deliveries with. They text each other and they keep up. And it's like, yes, this is exactly what we're after. So we wanna expand the list because the bigger the list, the more people we have that we can serve and transform with the gospel. So that would be one of the things we'd like to continue to pursue. We wanna continue to work to build what we call the City Light Center. Right now there's a warehouse full of stuff that we use to serve our community. Uh, We've run uh, Spanish classes, we're gonna start running ESL classes. We would love to do after school programs. Uh, A big dream is to eventually have some sort of preschool, subsidized preschool to be able to serve the community for kids that can't get education early on before public school, things like that. That we would love to say, man, if we could only do this, wow, we could continue to invest in the life of the community and reach more people. One of my convictions of our, of our process and thing I'd like to see us grow in and even do better, there's, some, there's a, a way we, we talk about Isaiah 61, it's reach, restore, repeat. So we reach out to the community, we bring good news and bind up broken hearts, we restore the community and people around us and ourselves by being transformed by the gospel, right? Beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, praise for heaviness. And we repeat that process as people continue to do that over and over again and lives begin to transform. And one of the convictions of my heart is I would love for us to grow and being we're really good at reaching and I want us to grow in our ability to bring people from reaching to restoring. What does it look like to not just get to people, but to get them involved in some sort of uh, long-term, more, more big help, more holistic help? What does it look like to do that, both with the gospel of Jesus Christ, obviously with discipleship and mentoring, but maybe some sort of financial entrepreneurial help, maybe some sort of programmatic stuff with kids with special needs, anything like that to say, what's the next step for like reaching the community at some level to growing that, to getting people involved in a long-term process for holistic change? What does that look like for us? I would love for us to expand our ability and capacity to do that. And obviously at some level, that's gonna take staff, it's gonna take resources, it's gonna take work for us to be able to do that. And so we want to be able to expand our ability to do that well, to serve locally and globally. Obviously, a, an easy example for you to kind of put the math together. Uh, we did this last year where there was a guy in Uganda named Alex, and he basically said, if you give me a bike, I'll give you a church. And that was the idea to say, he's got guys who are ready to start churches, but they can't get to the places in the villages they need to go. If you get them a bike, just a bike, they can go to a village and start a church. And so we're like, okay, here's all the bikes we can get you right now. And he's like, okay, he showed us later, and he had all these churches that are now started, which, you know, church, that way it would be a few people gathered around to say now they're being discipled. And say simple stuff like that as we go overseas and serve the, the world around us, that as we gain more resources in places that we have it, we're able to share that with other people so that they can begin to reach more people. Right? More resources, more resources here equals more bikes there equals more churches equals more disciples equals more fruit. And that's how it works out in so many ways, both here and around the globe. There are so many things God is doing currently, and I can't keep mentioning uh, them all, but just to give you some ideas of what does it look like when we say we want to see every person reached for the gospel, and we're hoping to raise this amount of money to be able to do that. That's part of the goal. The last one is every church, every church. This is $1 million. It's filling the city with the teaching of Jesus by multiplying through church planning and revitalization. This one is so important to me because I have to continue to put it in front of us. So Acts 5.28, one of the things that the Pharisees accused the disciples of doing, I love this, is they say, you have filled the city with the teaching of Jesus. That's their accusation. It wasn't, hey, you started a church. It was, no, you have like permeated this place. You have filled the city with the teaching of Jesus. And that transformed the city. And so remember, remember, as we start a church and do the work of God, the goal is not to build a church. The goal is to reach the city. 
The goal is to reach the people that are far from God. The goal is to disciple those who love Jesus. The goal is people and to reach people and to transform people's lives. And the church is the mechanism that does that. And the church is the people. But when we think about it, it's not the goal just to build the church. The goal is to reach the city. And so as we build the church, we have to remember unto what? What are we doing as we're building a church? We are building a church to reach the city. And that's the goal, not to just build the church. And so now we say we want to fill the city with the teaching of Jesus. And the best we can discern to do this is to have local churches in as many communities as possible. Because I've seen, like we said, saturation leads to transformation. And so you got to be local and you got to serve with saturated impact, consistency over and over again in a smaller geographic area to really go deep and to begin to change lives. That's what it takes. And so one church simply cannot do that from one, one place. The more ideal version, at least as we feel led by the Lord, is to have many different churches every 10 or 15 minutes. You know, if I could have an ideal world, it would be a city light every 10 minutes because our, our geographical limitation of saturation is so small. And so for us to say, if we really want to reach the city and fill the city with the teaching of Jesus, we have to, have to, not want to, or to, we have to plant more churches. We have to be a part of revitalizing churches that are dying. We have to be a part of bringing the presence of Jesus Christ in a healthy church to as many communities as possible so that we can reach more people. So this is why we are now currently involved in D.C., where over the last several months they have already seen several people come to Christ. And imagine, if the Lord didn't partner us together, that church might not be there anymore. And so now the Lord has brought us together and people are coming to Jesus when it might not have existed otherwise. That's what we have to live for, to say, okay, how can we do that in other places? How can we do that in other places? We know there's a work around here in Seven Corners where a friend of ours is doing a lot of evangelistic work and we're seeing a lot of fruit and we're asking the question together, what does it look like to bring more structure and to support that because they need a local church? How can we be a part of that? And that's happening over and over again. Not only within our family of churches, which includes D.C., Falls Church, C. Luz, and City Light Lao, but also within other churches that are friends of ours, like the ones we supported uh, in our blessing bonanza last year. Our friend Jefferson, who's over in Sterling, uh, serving people with the same mission and mindset as, as we have. And we were able to bless him to advance the mission of God there. What does it look like for us to be a people who not only start churches, but who equip, strengthen, and bless other churches to do the same work we're called to do? What does it look like to do that? And what kind of impact would we have if we continued to press forward in that way? I really believe if you want to be a part of a movement, if you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, then we have to be a part of planting these types of churches, supporting these types of churches, and moving the mission forward one church at a time. Here's a couple of quotes once again. This is a different book. It's called Church Planting Movements. Uh, and I was just reading about uh, how this works. And, and this is so interesting. It says, church planting movements do not simply add new churches. Instead, they multiply. Perhaps this is why church planting movements, get this, are devoid of goals to start 10 or 20 churches. Instead, these churches are satisfied with nothing less than a vision to reach their entire people group or city and eventually the whole world. So you see what he's saying? It's about the city. So does it take 100 churches? I don't know. But the goal isn't to say, hey, let's plant 10 churches. That's not the goal. The goal is to say, let's reach the whole city. And let's do what we have to do day by day, year by year, investment by investment to do the best we can to do that. That's what happens. So when church planning movements are catalyzed all over the world and thousands come to faith in a matter of months and people are being baptized left and right, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. Nobody's satisfied with anything less than everybody in their city or in their people group having access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're about here. That's what we will always be about here. And it's going to take you and me and our investment to move that forward. 
Let me read you another quote. This one's from Malcolm Gladwell, okay? Uh, it's, it's in the book called The Tipping Point. So as I was talking about The Tipping Point, uh, I had read this book a while ago, uh, and I remember this quote. He said, if we want to say, if we want to, say, develop schools in disadvantaged communities that can successfully counteract the poisonous atmosphere of their surrounding neighborhoods, this tells us that we're probably better off building lots of little schools than one or two big ones. So his idea being, if we want to really begin to transform these smaller pockets of communities all around us, the goal would be to put a lot of smaller schools in all these places than to try to have one big one that they all come to. And to say that would be the same principle, I think, for churches, at least our personal conviction, to say how can we do that and put all these pockets of the presence of Jesus in all these different places to begin to bring real transformation in the city around us. One of the things that bothers me a lot, I had read this quote with our staff recently, is this Hudson Taylor, he was a missionary to China. And when he gets to China and he begins to share the gospel, one of the guys he meets comes up to him and he's like, how long have you had the gospel in your country? And he tells him, hundreds of years, we've known, you know, whatever. He's like, this is the first time we've ever had it. This is in the mid 1800s. And he said, my father died searching for good news like this. And he said, why didn't you come sooner? And that quote haunts me to the death. Why? Thinking about people that are saying, man, my mother died just last week. Why didn't you show up sooner? And she was waiting for some good news like this. I, nobody had ever told us that Jesus was like that. I had an idea of Jesus, maybe that was more rules and religion based, but I didn't know he loved me like that. Nobody's ever told me that Jesus loves me even though he knows all my mess. Nobody's told me that. Nobody told me that Jesus loves me even if I don't get my act together right away, like nobody told me come first, change second. Nobody told me that. And I thought I had to get it together so I could show up in church and present myself a certain way and maybe live a certain life. Nobody told me that I didn't have to work my way to heaven, that I didn't have to try to make my good works outweigh my bad works. Nobody told me that. And if you've known the gospel for a long time, sometimes you forget the amazing part of it. Like all these amazing things that we were just like take for granted. That's like, imagine the release, the release of saying, oh, I don't have to earn my way to heaven? What? I don't have to worry every day if my good works are better than my bad ones? I don't have to wonder if God loves me? And for us to get to people as soon as we can and to have that mindset, just like he did in China, to say, man, the sooner I can get to people, people are waiting for this good news. And so how can we get engaged? It's very simple. Pray, commit, give, and celebrate. There's a few dates coming up in the next few weeks. We start the series today on March 13th. For those of you who wanna step in first and be leaders in the process, we have an advanced commitment night. It'll be a worship night here on March 21st, five weeks from now. We're going to have a commitment day with commitment cards where we all uh, put a number on it and we ask the Lord for this. And so over the next five weeks, the goal is for you to be asking the Lord, what does it look like for me to surrender to you? That's what I want you to be thinking about. So on that commitment day, you're ready to give God your yes and to say, this is what it looks like for me to be a part of what God is doing. Here's my favorite Hudson Taylor quote, the missionary in China. He says, there are three stages to every great work of God. First, it is impossible. Then it is difficult. Then it is done. So you say, Nate, that's impossible to literally give every person in this surrounding city an opportunity to hear the love of Jesus. How could you possibly do that? Well, it sounds impossible. First it's impossible, then it's difficult, then it's done. And that's what we're after, to say here in the D.C., in Lao, in Spanish, in English, doing everything we can to say what's impossible with men is, what's impossible with men is possible with God. And we're gonna believe him for that and we're gonna press forward in that. So let me pray for us. We're gonna respond to the Lord together. We'll 
Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for enriching us, Lord, with every spiritual blessing, as Ephesians 1 says, for loving us first. We thank you for what you've done in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray that we would be a people who live by design, not by default, God, that we would consider what you have done for us and that you would empower us, Lord, to release, Lord, back to you. I pray that you would use everything we can give you to advance the mission of God here and around the world, that you would make your people more fully surrendered, Lord, that we would release what we're holding on to, that we would trust you and you alone. And Lord, Jesus, please, 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 use this church, use these people, use like-minded churches around this area to work together to give every person around here an opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus. And Lord, make their hearts sensitive so that when they hear about your love, they receive it. Oh God, we're here to see souls saved and lives transformed. God, we're not here to play church. And so we just ask God that you would do that and that you would empower us to be a part of that and that you would not let us waste our lives or waste our time, that we would live with intentionality and the results of the intentionality would be new souls, greater people, greater results, Lord, more people in the kingdom of God, that we would be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And so, Lord, here we are. We give you our two fish, our five loaves. We give you what we have. We ask that you would multiply it so it could bless many people. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why don't you uh, stand and respond with us to the Lord and what he's calling you to do.